Welcome to Raising Our Voices, the 30th anniversary celebration. Highlights and voices from the program of Amida and Reinforce. Today we are talking about justice and what does justice mean to you. My panel today is Amanda, Ria and myself, James. Thanks, James. We'd like to thank Lisa Brumptus for giving us the idea for this show. Lisa is passionate about human rights and justice. She challenged us to find how people see justice and whether it is actually achieved. Amanda, how will we focus on justice? Um, Justice is for people with disabilities and may, may of course, have, have a number of legal dictionaries at home and under justice in that it reads... Um, the the re- responsibilities um, to do with civil and criminal, that's in the legal dictionary, Pelham. That is something to do with the law. Dictionary.com says a few things. It says justice is about moral rightness, fairness and equality. It also says just treatment is impartial and open and justice is where everyone gets treated the same. Um, justice uses power to get treatment and respect. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the just person as one who typically does what is morally right and fair. But philosophers want to get, get beyond dictionary definitions to consider... For example, the nature of justice as both a moral virtue of character and a desirable quality of political society, as well as how it applies to ethical and social decision-making. Today, we want to focus on our view of justice as people with disability. Come on, get up, stand up, stand up for your right, get up. Helen, what does justice mean to you? It means to me that people are treated equally and with dignity, that everybody is given their status as a human being that has a right to be safe and to have shelter mm-hmm. and to have interest in their lives and to, yeah, to live a safe and equal life. That's what justice means to me. Justice means to me um, it could be fairness to people with um, disability and uh, people with uh, guide dogs can get into a taxi with their dog, which is fair. And probably justice in the community and community access. Justice sometimes means following the laws, but can also, more broadly, it means doing what's right and what's fair. Following the laws and doing what's right and what's fair 
are not necessarily quite the same thing. Amanda, what does justice mean to you? It means to me that that you have a right to use the light and aware of your responsibilities and you don't walk against the red man. So you better get up. Today's show, we are bringing you highlights of the Saru 2012 conference in March. My name is Paul Ramcharan and I work at RMIT. We're in the Disability Advocacy and Self-Advocacy Working Together for Change session. Um, I'm very privileged and honoured to, to be here today to support five people to speak about the links between disability advocacy and self-advocacy. The first thing to say is that the history of a lot of uh, self-advocacy starts with groups that meet on a social basis, and it's about building connections. People can't um, speak up unless they have the confidence. They get the confidence through informal networks. They formalize into self-advocacy groups for a voice, and it's only through building capacity, building those networks, building those relationships that the voice becomes louder. When that voice becomes louder, people begin to see things in a different way, to see a common cause, to see a relevance in the actions that they take. And that moves over into different forms of formal advocacy and systemic advocacy. It also moves over into lobbying and campaigning. The system, then, is one which links together. None can do without the other, but... The problem is that it's extraordinarily patchy. There is diversity across the state. And bedding those things in with a really good funding structure is very, very difficult. So we've got a hard task ahead of us here. But the examples show that it can be done and that people are networking to build those uh, structures which will allow advocacy to flourish. So at this stage in the conversation, I'm going to hand over to uh, Pauline Williams and Colin Hisco. Um, Pauline is a disability advocate at Action for More Independence and Dignity and Accommodation, AMIDA, um, where she has been employed for 16 years. Her role has included systemic advocacy to achieve such goals as inclusion in law of residential rights for people with a disability living in shared supported accommodation. AMIDA also works in partnership with Reinforce, which you're about to hear about, on several projects, including Raising Our Voices radio show and the My House, My Home, My Rights project. AMIDA is also part of a consortium which runs the SARU, the Self-Advocacy Resource Unit. Colin Hisco, who I've known now for six years, um, is currently training officer at Reinforce uh, Reinforce is the longest-running self-advocacy group in Australia, and Colin is one of the founding members. So he's been involved for a long, long time and has a lot of experience. He's committed his life to fighting for the rights of people with a disability. Colin recently stepped down from being the president of Reinforce after eight years in that position. He is passionate about improving the lives of people living in the community and in community residential units. And they've been working together, and we'll now talk about that. Over to you. Thank you, Paul. I'm Pauline, and it's interesting um, to hear Rachel saying before that Reinforce had had a lot to do with the 
beginnings of New Wave because Amida story is a little bit the same in that Reinforce had a lot to do with the beginnings of Amida. So the self-advocacy group Reinforce, which began, I think, about 30 years ago, one of the first issues that that group of people identified was the problems of lack of appropriate housing and lack of rights in housing for people with a disability. And they held a conference and out of that came the beginnings of the group that I work for, AMIDA. Um, so, so along the way since then, AMIDA and Reinforce have sort of travelled together. We've travelled beside each other at times. We've come together and, and worked in partnership at times. Um, and at times we've done our own thing. So we're, we're independent groups, even though Reinforce... Um, began AMIDA in a sense. It allowed AMIDA to be a separate group that did individual advocacy. Um, we, we do systemic advocacy as well. And sometimes we come together on those kinds of campaigns. Um, we support each other um, in our efforts to try and bring more justice to the lives of people with a disability. Um, and I, I suppose it would be good for us to maybe give you some examples of that. So... I'm going to hand it over to you, Colin, to talk about some of the projects where you've been involved in issues that perhaps we've piggybacked on, and sometimes we've been involved in issues that you've worked with us on as well. So can I hand it over to you, Colin? Mm. Good afternoon, everybody. My name's Colin Hisker, and like Paul just said, I am the training officer now at um, Reinforce Incorporated. Some of the projects that we've worked on is ownership of our own lives, the creative think tank, Know Your Rights Training, and My House, My Home, My Rights in an Institution. The ownership of our own lives is where we wanted to find out about what people with intellectual disability were thinking and feeling about where they lived in the community residential unit and what they knew about advocacy. There are two reports. Unfortunately, I didn't bring them with me because, as you can see, I'm on sticks and I wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to carry them. But if you want a copy, you're welcome. Just ring us at the office, uh, 9650 7855. There are two reports, and they're both called Ownership of Our Own Lives. One was by uh, Peter Attrell, and the other one was by um, Nikki Estradio. Um, they're fairly good reports. The Creative Think Tank came out of the Ownership of Our Own Lives, where, again, we wanted to know and, and find out information about. Um, Basic human rights. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't convinced that people living in CIU knew what their rights were. And we wanted to try and create something and to make something around better practice within CIUs. Um, and that was a, a project that was done with Amida and also with uh, Michael, who's up the back there, from the Actor Resource Centre. My house, my home, my rights. I won't talk about much, but what I would like to say, and the reason I'm not going to talk about it much is that I'm running a session at two o'clock in the Red, red Room, which is a plug for me, um, and if you want to know more, come to that session. But one thing I would like to say is that it is a training package that has been developed, again, by Michael from the Act Resource and with support from AMIDA, and there's two training manuals, one for residents in CIUs and the other one from staff in CIUs. Thanks, Colin, and I just wanted to explain that AMIDA... Um while we were pushing for more rights for people living in CIUs, what we were finding is that we couldn't actually get into the community residential units to talk to people and, and tell people about the changes to the law and about rights that they now had. Um, and, and one of the real benefits of working with Reinforce has been that when they've been able to get their foot in that door, 
we've been able to follow behind them really quickly before it shuts. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's been a great partnership. Um, it's very difficult, as people here, I'm sure, know, to actually get to the people who's, who are often the most vulnerable and the most likely to be um, having their rights abused. You're listening to Raising Our Voices 2012 to 2017, celebrating 30 years on air at 3CR Community Radio. My name is Nick. My voice is a group. Help producers voices and voices. Hello, my name is James, and I am interviewing Brenda all about Ross House. Hello, Brenda. Hi, James. I've been at Ross House for about eight years. I'm employed by the Australian Federation of Disability Organisations. They're a um, peak umbrella organisation that is managed by people with disabilities. And most of their work is around advocating to um, governments about what people with disabilities um, want. It was really important that we had a meeting space and an office space that was um, accessible for a lot of people with disabilities, not just about physical access, but also things like being close to public transport and other services that are important and make it easy for people to be able to engage with our organisation. In Ross House, there's a number of other disability groups as well as many other kinds of groups that we share our knowledge, our resources, our ideas and that's really important to help us to get things done because everybody in this building is on a very tight budget and the more clever ways that you could do things and that you can work together with one another, just every bit helps. So that's it for our visit to Ross House today. Ross House is at 247 Flinders Lane in the heart of Melbourne CBD. Raising our voices on 3CR, I'm Tim. Today we are talking to Sue Smith from the Self-Advocacy Resource Unit. We are also call it the SARU. Hello, Sue. Hi, Tim. Sue, can you tell us what the SARU is? The SARU is, as you said, the Self-Advocacy Resource Unit. And we're funded to support self-advocacy groups. So there's two sorts of self-advocacy that's talked about, particularly around people with a disability um, having their say, having a voice at the table, having input into policy and decision-making. There's individual self-advocacy where someone speaks up for themselves and expresses what they want to need. And there's group self-advocacy where people come together to form a self-advocacy group and self-advocacy groups are, is the self-advocacy that the SARU supports. And self-advocacy groups, the definition we say, are run by and for people with disabilities who have joined together to have their voices heard and to make sure they've got the same rights, choices and opportunities as anyone else. And it's really um, evolved out of the civil rights movements and it is a movement, often it's called, it's all around the world and it's called the self-advocacy movement. And the SARU's job is to resource and support 
and self-advocacy groups in Victoria in the ways that they want us to do. So that might be they might want help with strategic planning, they might want help making resources, they might want help to do have training and learn to do things like public speaking, they might want information so they, to help them to do their work. So whatever they want from us is what we develop and we also help new groups to start and we do resourcing and support networking. Why does self-advocacy matter? That's a great question, and I'm going to start with why I learnt why it matters to me personally and then why I think it matters um, more and more every year. Years ago, I was involved in self-advocacy with for people who lived in an institution, so supporting groups run by and for people who were living in an institution. And it was the time when the whole thing came about, about closing institutions, and Every week, it was, it was a huge issue in the media, every week there'd be letters to the editors and there'd be letters to the editors from families a lot of times saying why they shouldn't close and there were letters to the editor from advocates saying why it should close and what was missing in that was actually the voice of people who lived there. And one of the things we did was a survey of 100 people living in the institution and of that 100, 98 wanted to leave. So people were saying a lot of things about how people might feel where they left or whether they were going to be traumatised it, but no one actually heard the voice of the people living there who were going, we know there's a better world out there and we want it and we can't wait to leave. So to me that just says why self-advocacy is important, that the people that, that the decisions affect are the ones that have the say, not or everybody else in the mix. And it's just so important that people have a say. And one of the things I know that Colin Hisco from Reinforce, one of the self-advocacy groups, says it's not just about being listened to, it's about being heard and about what we say being acted on. And so it's really important, and self-advocacy matters, that people, you know, that saying of nothing about us without us, that people with disabilities should be involved in all levels of the community, in, from decision-making right up to the development of policy, because they're the people that it affects and for me that's why self-advocacy matters and groups matter because it gives people a stronger voice. This year is the first anniversary of the show which is symbolised with the pearl, the pearl of a child. Today we're talking about the perils and great things about public transport. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting journey to get here today, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yes, yes, it was. It was. Gotta <laughs> love trams. Gotta love and, it. And, yeah, they, they were sensational trams. Actually, they um they actually were... We should give them 10 points for, for stuffing up, so... Yeah, they stuffed up mightily, didn't they? Yeah, they... But there was a good save at the end there. We had very helpful staff on the platform that helped us uh, get on when all the other customers weren't prepared to wait What happened is there's already been delays, right? And Mm. then one of the trams turned up that luckily wasn't our tram. And then its front door got jammed. So everybody who just got on was getting off. And then... Finally, they fix it, right, because they can't go with the door jammed. Mm. So finally they fix it, and then another one moves through, and then we've got to wait for the third one up. Mm. And then as we're getting on, 
people are trying to push past us to get off. Mm. So then the the lovely staff who had been helping us up for about what seemed like the last 20 minutes um, were making pathways and making sure no one pushed past, which was mm. great. Especially yeah. for Aran and, and myself because we were the ones that technically are supposed to have priority and right of way. Because so, we're both in wheelchairs, yep. aren't we, Lockwood? Yeah, exactly. And, um, and and that was okay. Once we got on, there were two wheelchair yep. accessible spots there that yep. we nabbed. But then we had the getting off saga. Mm. <laughs> I would personally like to thank the lady on the 109 tram who helped me off. But in the process of helping me off, one, I can't see behind me. So I bashed into this woman accidentally. He thought she'd moved out of the way, but she hadn't. And then my bag got stuck on one of the chairs and broke. And then as the lady was trying to fix it by getting it off its hook, because it's on a special hook that holds it on, um, she copped me one in the side of the eye, which was fantastic. That's, yeah. That's not good. No. <laughs> no, and I'm sure that, you know, the tram driver was thinking, well, I don't know what's going on down there, but it's taking forever. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, that's the 109 tram, which, mm. is, which is accessible. So as you can imagine, the ones that aren't accessible are even more yeah. disastrous. Yes. Yes. And today we'll also be talking about um, all the things from um, buses to trains to taxis. Mm. I believe we'll have a brief section on taxis mm. and what's good and what's not. He's on 3CR, your community radio Listening to Raising Our Voices on 3CR, a few highlights from the last five years. Okay, welcome to Raising Our Voices. It's a very good show and all the people should listen to it. It's a great theme and it's all about football. Hi, Susan. Hello. If there was one thing that you could say, Susan, about inclusion of people with disabilities in the footy as fans, what would it be? I say get all football stadiums or like the Melbourne Cricket Ground wheelchair accessible fully. Now, I would have thought they were fully. Are you telling me they're not? No, they're not. Not even Ethiad, which is newly built, is not fully wheelchair accessible. So there are parts of the ground you can't get to, is that it? Yeah, um, I think you can if you go on a tour. They can take you around the back, but you can't get down to um, where the cheer squad for each team. So that means you can't be a member of the cheer squad and participate when they're cheering? Well, well, you can, but you've got to sit right at the back behind all the drunks, so you're really, you know, you're wasting that money that you've paid on the cheer squad because you're not in the cheer squad. I mean, you can pay for it if you like, but you're not in it because you're way back up where, almost where the public getting to sit so you can be a member you can sit in the member's stand but you don't get much of your money if you ask me. Um, what, do you, what do you think, anything that needs to be improved about access for people with disability at the grounds? Have you noticed anything you think they need to change? At, at the moment travels are also going to see if travels are to me about Getting people more 
accessible for for get my MCJ and it has a night my MCG got been facing and also for my tennis center could be a special baggy service for people with disabled people. Okay, so Travellers Aid, that service is going to do some work to make the MCG more accessible mm. and possibly the tennis centres. Mm. Yes. Today's show's about the football and um, I believe that you're uh, a fan of uh, Collingwood, is it? Yes, one night. One thing, yes. So you've been a fan of AFL for a long while, but now you're actually yeah. hoping, helping with local Work footy. Football, yeah. I do barbecue, do the breakfast for the under-19s, and I do the uh, sausages and that for the seniors and reserves. And about one o'clock, someone else takes over, and then I just relax and watch the football. So you're obviously a big, um, a really important part of the yeah. local footy now. Yeah, I help out, and they, they, they enjoy themselves, and I've got a membership for it, and go to most of the games and away games too. Happy anniversary raising our voices. Australian Federation of Disability Organisations, um, while its main role is around disability advocacy in Australia, one of the things that we feel is important is about supporting people with disabilities internationally. Australian Federation of Disability Organisations is a member of Disabled Persons International and we um, get involved with supporting groups in developing countries. One of the things that we did recently was apply to AusAid to bring a group of people from Kiribati to Australia. Kiribati is just a small coral atoll in the South Pacific and their main way of communicating their message in their country is via music and drama. Mm -hmm. And we put together a four-week program um, for them to learn extra skills in Australia. They actually came here to 3CR and learnt um, about radio production, which they're very excited about and um, have gone home, I've heard, and have been editing um, bits of audio and visual um, recordings that they've made.
been listening to Raising Our Voices on 3CR. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back next month. Happy anniversary, Raising Our Voices. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.